From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Hey friends, good to have you aboard. Also good to have aboard another good friend of the program. From Zealand News Network, the Executive Director, Victor Vigiani. How are you? Uh, just fine. It's great to be here with you again. Fresh off, a, fresh off a cruise? Fresh off a cruise, yes. That's... Uh, what better way to put it? Fresh off a cruise. Now, when you're, I would imagine the when you're on a uh, cruise ship way out in the middle of uh, the ocean, mm-hmm. you look up at this. I mean, you're someone who spends a lot of time looking up. You know, uh, the star, the stars. Mm-hmm. I mean, the absence of light pollution. The stars must be spectacular. Actually, for three of the nights that we were out there, the sky was absolutely spectacular. It's it it, it actually looked like a cloudy night, but the, if you looked up at it, and it was actually clouded with stars. And I spent a lot of time on deck watching things move around. And anything suspicious? Well, I did see some things move this way and that, but nothing which you would want to call irregular. Um, actually, three or three, th- yeah, three nights of it, and. You know, I, I, I must say, in all honesty, not, not anything spectacular, but there were things moving, and I, I attribute it to satellites and just, and, but nothing anomalous. Too bad, really, but. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing that we don't spend enough time looking up. I mean, who has the time to go outside, you know, in the middle of the night and right. then just look up and, mm. but if we did, who knows what we would see? Well, there's so much out there, and that's the, that's the really disappointing thing about what most people do is is that and the way they interact with it. Because if you did spend time, and uh, I, it, one of the nights in the in the Nevada desert, when when I was there and seeing the things that actually do occur, that you say, oh my goodness, oh, that shouldn't be happening, and it does, and it it re- really makes you reflect upon what's really going on in the, up uh, up in the skies. But, and we don't spend a lot of time looking at that, so no. I guess it's something that most people just take for granted. Well, yeah, and so uh, and so our our entire uh, perception of the UFO issue has been shaped essentially by Hollywood and what we see on TV and on the big screen, uh, and you know through that lens, distorted, uh, you know. We're being spoon-fed this particular message, but I don't, I've never been able to get a handle on if who's ever in control of the mm. UFO file and if they have a direct pipeline into Hollywood. I'm, I've always been conflicted by what message they're trying to send us about E.T. Because uh, on the one hand, you have War of the Worlds, E.T. bad. And then you have another Spielberg movie, E.T. Sure. good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't know what to make of Hollywood, but you know, every year they, they've and, and, and with increased... Regularity now. They've got um, their regular. They've got this huge catalog of movies that they're wow. uh, on the UFO ET issue that's coming down the pipe. Purposeful confusion. Well, we've got someone on the line. Hopefully, that can help us uh, sort this out. Let's hope. Yes. Dri- joining us on the line from Merry Old England, uh, Robbie Graham is the editor of SilverScreenSaucers.com. Great website. Check it out. SilverScreenSaucers.com. It's dedicated to news, commentary, articles on Hollywood's UFO movies. He's also currently writing a populist book on the subject of UFOs in Hollywood titled Silver Screen Saucers, Sorting Fact from Fiction in Hollywood's UFO Movies. And we're hoping to do a little bit of that over the next hour here on The Conspiracy Show. And uh, let's welcome aboard Robbie Graham. How are you, Robbie? Hey, guys. How are you? You're coming in wonderfully clear at uh, 5 o'clock in the morning. What a uh, what a great sport you are. <laughs> <laughs> Terrific so for you, Robbie. Great how, to be on the show again. How much time do you spend... 
actually screening Hollywood movies that deal with UFOs and ETs? I suppose the question would be how much time do I spend doing anything else? And <laughs> <laughs> not a great deal of time doing anything else. I know it's pretty much my life right now um, until this book is finished. Um, uh, so yeah, a lot of time I, I try to watch any film that comes out theatrically or on DVD that deals with the ET visitation issue, and there are a lot of them. I mean, there's there's constantly you know there's a constant barrage of new films coming out. Last year we had Men in Black Three, The Watch, uh, Prometheus, but then there's the whole back catalogue. I mean, can you ever catch up? It's difficult, actually. Um, you, you usually don't catch up until several months afterwards because I usually don't manage to catch every single uh, alien visitation-themed film that comes out theatrically each year, although I try to catch most of them. And then you've got the smaller products, which go either straight to DVD or which are released only uh, in a limited way across you know, certain territories. Um, and these are the films that most people miss. And so with that in mind, I've, I've put together a list of, sort of five um, uh, UFO alien visitation themed films, which I think probably most people would have missed at theatres uh, in 2012. Uh, these are sort of slightly less glossy products, typically not American, well in fact not American at all, they're, they're from the UK, uh, they're from Australia, from Italy for example, Ireland. Um, there are a handful of these titles which most of them to be honest are, are not, <laughs> probably not worth people's time. Unless you are a real UFO buff and sort of are keen to catch every single uh, cinematic representation of the subject, uh, and, and and you know with that in mind, there are some interesting titles in there. For example, you've got a film uh, that came out last year called, uh, well, imaginatively titled UFO, which was a UK film directed by Dominic Byrne. Um, you've got a film called um, Grabbers, which is an Irish film directed by John Wright. Uh, Storage 24, which is another UK movie. Uh, you've got uh, Crawl Space, which is quite an interesting one, albeit very bad uh, Australian film. And um, uh, got the ridiculously titled uh, The Arrival of Wang, uh, W-A-N-G. Uh, and that's an Italian film. Uh, very, very interesting uh, film from a ufological perspective, from an exopolitical perspective. Well, let's just look uh, at Hollywood for a second, Robbie. Are they just mm. trying to make a good popcorn movie, or is there is there an agenda uh uh, is there some sort of a meme that's running through these these uh, offerings out of uh, uh, out of Hollywood? I've dealt before with the issue of you know this Hollywood UFO conspiracy. Is there a Hollywood UFO conspiracy? If so, who's behind it? What does it entail? What's the ultimate goal? And yes, there is evidence to suggest that there is. Uh, well, I mean, there's concrete evidence to suggest that historically the U.S. government has been interested in content of Hollywood UFO themed productions. It's monitored these productions, it's at times attempted to censor them, and at times also seeded them to an extent. And typically that's been in a debunking and demystifying capacity. So yes, clearly there has been involvement on the part of the US government in UFO themed movies, uh, many, many cases, and I've written about this quite extensively. Um, the question though I think that most people really want to find an answer to is, is there a acclamation agenda rather than a debunk uh, rather than just a debunking one. Um, again, there is limited evidence to suggest that there is possibly an acclamation agenda or has been um, in a handful of cases scattered across the decades. It's not something where there appears to be an overarching uh, goal or a clear message, a clear message, uh, shall we say. Um, so, for example, you've got the Robert Emenegger case of, of the early 1970s, uh, where many branches of the US government, as well as NASA, 
uh, all collaborated on a film which very clearly gave the idea that we are being visited, uh, visited by ETs. You've got the Ward Kimball case of the 1950s where you had the uh, Disney animated Ward Kimball claim that there was a, uh, a, a joint project between the Air Force and Walt Disney which was again intended to acclimate people to the idea of uh, ET visitation and ET reality and that was ultimately aborted as was um, well, the Emanega project went ahead, but it didn't go ahead in the way that it had intended to be, uh, with real, allegedly real UFO footage included. Um, you've got a handful of other cases um, since then, which are interesting, where you've got collaboration, again, between Disney and the CIA um, and NORAD, for example, on the 2009 movie Race to Rich Mountain. And again, it's probably another five or six cases like that, but they are scattered. They don't seem to be the films that are coming that are coming out along those lines. Don't seem to have a clear message. Um, they seem disparate in their in their agendas. And so, it, I think that if there is an acclimation agenda, it's, it's it's one that changes in its specific nature from decade to decade, depending on what's going on behind the scenes, I guess. Uh, but the, again, so to summarise that, in terms of acclimation. In terms of an alleged acclimation agenda, the evidence is patchy, but it's there. Uh, the evidence for censorship and monitoring is concrete and overwhelming. But again, overwhelmingly, we're talking here about a natural cultural phenomenon with UFO movies. It's entered popular culture. You've got a subcultural subject, which is the UFO phenomenon, which in the past, well, several decades, especially in the last, especially since the 1990s and the explosion of Roswell into popular culture, the birth of the X-Files, and then you had films like Independence Day, Men in Black. All of these films took this subcultural discourse, um, these uh, sightings which were really restricted to pages of, of uh, specialised UFO literature, and all of a sudden they've been brought into uh, into the mainstream, and now it's very hard to sort of sort back to fantasy because Hollywood is very liberal with, uh, with the truth as represented on, on the page, uh, and then how it kind of translates that to the screen. Let's begin with one of my favorites, I guess, you know, The Day the Earth Stood Still. And that was a, an absolutely magnificent piece of cinematography, the way it was handled back then. And you've just written a recent article on that, I know. In your estimation, would you think that that was sort of an experiment with the American sort of public culture at the time to assess the American public's perception of the UFO ET issue at the time, to kind of gauge where they were at? Because we all know that that was a very powerful film. I guess the second part of that question was, how much more sophisticated has it become since then? Yes, the Dadiest is still one that people have always pointed to as being suspicious, shall we say, just simply in terms of its content, um, how far ahead of how far ahead of its time it was in terms of the, the UFO subjects and its representation of specific ecological details, like like liquid metal, for example, that was later that was developed earlier reported in Roswell, but which didn't actually surface in, in public reports until years later. And many other, many other aspects there as well. It's a very interesting film, and it's one that I've looked at for, for years, but never found anything really concrete on until recently. Again, it's still not concrete, but there is now, I would say, quite strong circumstantial evidence to support the idea that indeed the idea stood still probably was some form of test of public reaction to the idea that we are being visited. We'll come back. Robbie Graham, the editor of SilverScreenSaucers.com. Victor Vigiani in studio, the executive director of Zeland News Network, back with more of The Conspiracy Show as we examine Hollywood and the UFO ET issue.
The world is being pulled over your eyes. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Uh, welcome back. Victor Vigiani, Executive Director of Zeland News Network, joins me in studio on the uh, line. Joining us by Skype from England is Robbie Graham, editor of SilverScreenSaucers.com. Uh, SilverScreenSaucers.com as he discusses the cultural, industrial, political processes by which Hollywood's UFO movie content is shaped, uh, as well as the impact of these movies on popular perceptions of the UFO phenomenon. Now, I can understand why uh, intelligence organizations, uh, the military, might be interested in in massaging the message that's coming out of a Hollywood as it pertains to, well, just in terms of propaganda, using Hollywood as a as a as a propaganda instrument, and I can understand if if it's a movie about uh, communism or about uh, you know an anti drug message or something like that. For, but for the life of me, I can't understand why uh, the military, the CIA, would be interested in a movie about flying saucers and ETs unless. Unless, you know, they're real and they know it and therefore they feel the need to control the message. Is that obvious? Am I oversimplifying? No, that's right. I mean, you've, you've hit the nail on the head. I mean, that's precisely why they're interested. But, you know, that's not really a big surprise. If you look at the, the government's own documentation on the UFO subject, CIA documentation, FBI documentation, if you look at Air Force documentation, reams and reams and reams of it. Although it never explicitly spells out the probable extraterrestrial nature of the phenomenon, it does everything but. You know, if you if you look at it on uh, as a as a collective of documents, and there are thousands and thousands of documents, the picture that emerges is one of a government that is deeply, deeply concerned by a sub by a phenomenon that they are powerless to control and which seems to be non-terrestrial in origin. That's what the documents say essentially. As I say, without ever explicitly sort of, you know, coming to that conclusion, because of course, if such documents exist, then see they're not going to be released, at least not for a good while to come. However, so if you take this this idea that the government is deeply concerned, and indeed that is borne out by the documentation, then it makes sense that the government would want to have a hand in how this phenomenon is represented on screens, uh, particularly on the silver screen. Uh, the government has always recognised the immense power of cinema to shape. Public perception of hot button issues, and of course, well, arguably there is no hotter political issue than the, than the UFO phenomenon. And therefore, you know, you, you've really got to get in. Uh, you've got to get your hand in. Uh, and, and you know, luckily for the US government, um, the Air Force, uh, various branches, as well as the CIA, have been involved in Hollywood uh, in a collaborative process for decades. And the CIA got involved in a big way in 1953. Uh, the Air Force, uh, uh, various branches of the military, rather, uh, before that. Um, and, and so, you know, there is a very close collaboration. Even NASA's in on the game now. Um, uh, you know, you name it, uh, as a government organization, it's in Hollywood. In fact, it's literally in Hollywood because on the 12th floor of the Oppenheimer building in, uh, in Los Angeles is uh, the entire floor is uh, U.S. government uh, branches, which are based in Hollywood. So you've got the, the Air Force um, uh, team of uh, Hollywood collaborators, you've got the Navy, the Army, uh, you've got the National Guard, you've got NASA. All of those guys have uh, offices uh, in the Oppenheimer building and they work on a 24-hour, you know, well, not 24-hour, but seven days a week uh, basis with, with Hollywood uh, filmmakers in order to, in their own words, uh, improve accuracy and authenticity in those films. So, uh, and, 
and of course they do work with, with UFO related productions as well. And there are numbers, uh, numerous uh, productions over the years where you've had military collaboration on UFO themed films. So if, if that's the case, and let's just sort of look ahead here just for a second. And, and I'm trying to wrap my mind around what you're saying. Let's just assume they're, they're dealing with this issue in the way they are. It seems to me there's a very concerted effort behind what they're doing. It's, it's quite clear. I mean, there's, you know, you don't have to be a, you know, brain, a brain surgeon to see there's a very concerted effort to characterize this issue in a certain way. And so many agencies, NASA, FBI, the film industry, have gone out of their way to characterize it in a certain way. But down the road somewhere, when this stuff all comes out in the wash, when we realize that we are, in fact, being engaged by these um, extraterrestrial um, civilizations, and that's going to come. It's only a matter of time, in my opinion. How will the film industry and the government, let's just say from your point of view, the film industry, be able to rationalize what they've done to us in order to characterize it in this way? When it comes out, in fact, they've told us it's this way, it's that way, the the ETs are this, the ETs are that, but in fact, we've been conditioned to believe it's a certain way, and then in the final analysis, it's something totally different, and we've been, uh, you know, tricked, and, and completely, how would you characterize it? We've been jury-rigged to believe it's a certain way, and it's not going to work out that way. Won't they be behind the eight ball when this all comes out to, to, to show us that it's another way and not the way they're portraying it? So when we talk about Hollywood being involved, being complicit, um, which it is in a, gen, in a general way, as I say, you have to be careful not to, to generalize. When we talk about Hollywood, we're not talking about Hollywood as an entire industry from top to bottom being involved in, in a acclamation agenda or a censorship agenda mm-hmm. with regards to, to UFOs. That's absolutely not the case. When we talk about Hollywood, we're talking about a handful, really, um, of, but more realistically, it's, it, over the years, it's going to have been several hundred people um, in key positions, in choke points, as I like to call them, throughout the industry. You have certain writers, for example, um, certain script doctors, certain producers, certain studio heads, perhaps certain directors, and even certain actors, who over the decades have been friendly to the causes of the U.S. government, not just on the UFO issue, but on a broad range of issues. Of course, yeah. Um, and, and so these are people who, for lack of a better word, you might term assets. And there have been many, many uh, assets over the years. And, of course, there continue to be assets in the industry. You only need really a few people um, in key positions in order to exert your influence effectively. Um, so when we talk about Hollywood, we're not, we're not talking about everybody. It's not everyone who's involved. Most people, you know, the vast majority of people in Hollywood have no idea. Um, and even the people who are being used as assets um, on this subject, even they will only have a very, very limited uh, amount of knowledge on the subject. It's, mm-hmm. Everything is in, on a need-to-know basis. Of course. So I doubt even the assets themselves would ever be outed anyway, even after the fact. So I don't think anyone's really going to be held accountable in Hollywood uh, necessarily. As far as the, you know, the, the secret keepers in corporate world and in the world of politics are concerned, well, that's another matter. Um, but in Hollywood, it's, I think it's going to be very hard ever to root out exactly who was involved and how they did it. Although we could, you know, we can, we can speculate with, with some good, good facts, you know, at our disposal. Help me understand, though, what the, what the message is. Because uh, as Victor said, you know, if the game here is to acclimatize us, is it really? Because what we see more often, and I, granted, I don't see, a lot of, uh, of of UFO movies or ET movies, uh, but it seems that they're playing up sort of the absurdist aspect of the. You know, if I look at Men in Black and uh, the man working behind the counter at Seven Eleven is an alien and, well, and and so forth. You know, it's hard to have to put my finger on 
what the overarching message is. I would have to say this is not to suggest that there is a grand conspiracy because I think that it's, it's more sporadic than that. There are, there are isolated efforts over the years. But if there is an overarching message behind all these sporadic efforts over the years, then it seems to be this, essentially. UFOs are real. We are being visited by extraterrestrials. However, the government is, and when this, this will sound strange to, to listeners, but, you know, the, the message is that the government is essentially not to be held accountable for the decades-long cover-up. Um, and that the government has done its best in a very difficult situation, and that the governments are the ones to turn to uh, when the issue hits the fan, if I can use that phrase, because ETs are hostile, and that's the message that Hollywood puts out. ETs are hostile, we should fear them. There are exceptions to this, of course, you have your ETs and you have your coons and your starmen, but overwhelmingly ETs are extremely hostile, and the people you have to turn to uh, in these times of crisis are the US Air Force, the Army, um, NASA sometimes, you know, the CIA, the men in black as well, which is the message of the men in black, of course, strangely, is that, you know, I mean, it's in the, it's in the, uh, the Will Smith rap, you know, go on with your lives yeah. to get the Roswell crap. And that, of course, is the message. That That is the message that they want to get out there, that d- despite whoever the ETs are, the message is that they want to get through is that it's okay, whatever ET is, whoever or whatever they are, the United States Air Force will in fact be the Independence Day relievers of the pain of the UFO ET incursion in, in the, uh, in, 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 in humanity. And that, in, it, to me, is a false perception. It's a, it's something that's absolutely, totally and objectively in opposition to what this thing might be. So why are they presenting this particular point of view and using Hollywood as their main construct as to how the American and, I guess, global uh, audience needs to perceive E.T. While, while uh, th- there may be a different message, how does that other message get out? And if it isn't possible to get that out, how can it be that that message could even possibly be, uh, be, be transmitted to, to the rest of humanity? And I think we're being sort of deluded into the fact that this E.T. message is something very, very different than what it really is. But I could, I could, I could, aren't there enough examples, whether you're talking about contact or you mentioned E.T., enough examples that E.T. is friendly and E.T. is here to save us from ourselves and E.T. is, you know, we're, we're trying, they're trying to uh, welcome us into this, you know, this cosmic galactic, galactic brother. Yeah. Aren't there enough of those movies out there that would counter that argument that they're trying to shape the, you know, E.T. is bad? Well, I, I, yeah, I, I guess th- there are. But I guess my point is that it, it could be something benevolent or it could be, could be something hostile. I, I, I don't know which it is. I, and I, I keep on, and I've said this in the show many times before, Richard. When we find out what this is all about, it will in fact be totally different than what we perceive. So it could be hostile, it could be benevolent. But the fact of the matter is that the United States government is using these agencies to profess a, a specific point of view about what the extraterrestrial presence is all about is, is, is orchestrated. And to the extent that it's orchestrated, in, in, in my opinion, is extremely biased. Right. Well, we can always count on the government for that. Of I course. I mean, that's the way it's going to work out anyways. Right. Well, Robbie, again, going back to the message, you've got, you've got the ET is here to save us. You've got ET is here to destroy us. Okay. Uh, so what you find is that... Is that some sort of sonic dissonance that, that's done on purpose? Right. No, the, the films in, the films in which E.T. is here to save us, 
but for well 99% of those and there's really only a handful of those films anyway but 99% of them have had no military support they've had no official uh, government involvement there you go okay. so NASA was involved in a very limited capacity in Spielberg's ET for example but it flat out refused to be, have any involvement as did the Air Force in Spielberg's close encounters um, and then all of the other uh, sort of friendly friendly ET movies they don't have government involvement in them at all. Ah. Whereas the ones, the, ones, the ones that have collaboration are things like Battle Los Angeles, for example, are things like um, tran the Transformers <clears throat> franchise. Um, in the Transformers franchise, you'll have um, uh, War of the Worlds, Spielberg's War of the Worlds, have military collaboration, and uh, numerous other films. I mean, some hostile ET movies also get um, denied cooperation from the, from the Air Force, as Independence Day was denied cooperation from the Air Force, for example because it refused to remove references uh, to Area 51 and Roswell, um, because it was one of the, well, it's really the first major, major motion picture that um, used those uh, those ideas in a, in a really big, uh, pivotal way in terms of its narrative, and I think they were very worried about that. Obviously, they realised that you can't that you can't keep denying collaboration to, uh, to Hollywood films that use these terms, because once the, you know, because it was already exploding into popular culture, and if they were going to get their message across, they had to start to bend a little bit with Hollywood filmmakers. Um, so, so as you say, you know, the, the really good examples to look at in terms of military collaboration and getting that message across is um, are the Transformers films, as well as Battle Los Angeles, for example. These are films where the military is portrayed as a force of good. Secrecy is essentially justified. Um, because the ETs are hostile and the cover-up is, is being orchestrated. It's, it's all suddenly very clear to me now, Robbie. Now I understand it. Now I get it. Okay, we'll take a time out. Come back. Victor Vigiani, Zeland News Network, Robbie Graham, silverscreensaucers.com. your tray in the upright position. You're about to leave everything you know behind on The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Oh, welcome back. And uh, again, just a, a special hello and welcome to uh, our new affiliate, KGYAM1240, Olympia, Washington. Hope you're enjoying the program. Would love to hear from uh, listeners up in Washington. Robbie Graham is with us, the editor of SilverScreenSaucers.com, and Victor Vigiani, a good friend, executive director of Zeland News Network in studio as we talk about Hollywood and the UFO ET issue. Uh, Robbie, uh, I know, you know, primarily you're, you're looking at uh, uh, motion pictures coming out of Hollywood and some independence and so forth. Do you ever do you delve into documentaries? I'm wondering um, if there is a, a if there is um, any control influence uh, by the military, the intelligence groups in in the documentary field. Well, as I um, referred to earlier, the uh, 1974 movie uh, feature length documentary feature. Um, by Robert Emenegger called UFOs Past, Present and Future. 
which has been extensively documented now. Um, it's it's really the strongest case ever for government collaboration uh, with filmmakers on the UFO issue uh, in an acclamation uh, way. Uh, this is a film that, that very clearly put across the message that UFOs are real, ETs are visiting us. Um, and, you know, as I say, it had, uh, had cooperation from the Air Force, uh, from the Army, from the Navy, from NASA, um, and it seems to have gone all the way up to Richard Nixon in terms of uh, the person who gave the go-ahead for the documentary to, to be produced. It was supposed to feature allegedly real uh, alien landing footage, which was pulled at the last minute. Um, there was, again, this, this 1950s, mid-1950s um, project uh, collaboration between the Air Force and Walt Disney, um, that Ward Kimball discussed, where again, um, allegedly real footage, not landing footage, but real UFO footage was promised and uh, withdrawn at the last minute and the project was abandoned. Um, these are pretty, pretty strong cases, especially the animated case, um, because the documentary, of course, was eventually released, um, albeit without the footage and was nominated for a Golden Globe. And even without the footage, it's a very compelling, uh, a very compelling documentary that really does put across a very strong message and, and is officially supported by, by the uh, US government. Um, in more recent years, you had, um, uh, a lot of people have been pointing, especially in recent weeks and months, to the 1996, 1995, um, Walt Disney documentary slash promo, uh, Alien Encounters from New Tomorrowland, which was a, very strange 45 minute documentary which was released in the mid 90s that was broadcast on literally about five or six, uh, American TV networks without, uh, prior announcement and, uh, was never seen again. Um, and people talked about it for years afterwards saying it was a test of public reaction and it was a film that put across a <laughs> unambiguous message that aliens are real. It was a documentary presented by Robert Urich. Um, and you know, it was, bashing the viewer over the head with the idea that we are not alone and that UFOs are absolutely, without doubt, alien and we are being visited and we better get used to it because any day now, the cat's going to come out of <laughs> the bag. And then this documentary was produced and it disappeared. Um, however, I, I interviewed the director and the writer of that documentary there called Andrew Thomas um, a couple of years ago and I did quite a long interview with him and, and he satisfied me largely that if there was a conspiracy, certainly he wasn't in on it. Um, he was a guy who, I mean, you can read, you can read his, his full interview with me, um, and my, my full take on it on my blog on my silverscreensources.com uh, site. Um, but, uh, suffice to say, I don't think that's suspicious. I do think there are lingering doubts in my mind as to what the real goal was with that, with that documentary. It's very interesting. But certainly he was, you know, he was adamant that there was no, there was no conspiracy here. Obviously he would say that. <laughs> would there be? Yeah. It was. But, but honestly, but I genuinely don't think that it's as, as suspicious as it seemed. Um, there is, uh, more recently, of course, I mean, you've got documentaries like, you know, independent filmmakers like James Fox, for example, making documentaries, uh, excellent documentaries on the UFO subject nowadays, which are free of, of government influence. Um, and, you know, and they're putting across a very interesting, um, perspective on the subject. Um, there's, uh, uh, there's another documentary which I'm trying to think of, um, which is, which is more recent and I can't think what it is now, but, but generally, um, the, the government, uh, doesn't tend to get involved. Oh, there we go. It just occurred to me. The, uh, TV broadcast, um, uh, UFO, consp- uh, UFO cover up live rather. Uh, from the late 1980s, 
Um, this was this was again Eminem mm-hmm. involved in that, and you had you know the um, the Avery involved in that, and you had um, uh, all sorts of very interesting uh, spooks uh, involved in that. Of course, well, there's the other aspect to that, Robbie, is that the History Channel here in Canada, I'm not sure exactly how it's um, portrayed uh, in the UK or even in the United States, but the History Channel over the last little while has really put forward the ancient alien um, documentaries. I mean, there's just documentary after documentary. There's, I'm not sure exactly who's producing yeah. it. And then, of course, uh, the, there's the new uh, alien mystery series that's being proffered by another network. And I, I just don't know who's exactly behind these. And okay. these are very well-documented uh, uh, you know, programs that are, yeah. are, are taking off and really presenting a really very clear perspective on the perspective uh, of, of the UFO ET issue. Okay, let's take a quick time out. We'll come back. Robbie Graham, SilverScreenSaucers.com. Victor Vigiani, Zealand News Network, Hollywood and the UFO ET issue, right here on The Conspiracy Show. Curiosity? Or did the devil make you do it? Whatever the reason, welcome back to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Hollywood and the UFO ET issue. You mentioned a documentary that came out in 1974. Uh... Very interesting year, 1974. That we were supposed to have uh, another uh, lunar mission that year, Apollo 18. Uh, of course, the last year we went to the moon was 1973, and then the Apollo 18 uh, launch is scuttled, canceled, uh, and we never went back. And then a couple of years ago, I think in 2011, there was a movie called Apollo 18. The premise of which was secretly. They sent uh, this mission up to the moon, Apollo 18. It was some sort of, uh, it, the cover story was it was some sort of satellite retrieval uh, mission, but they actually went to the moon, and then all hell broke, broke loose on the surface, some sort of an encounter with some sort of uh, extraterrestrial race on the moon. They never came back, and that's why we've never been back. Have you seen Apollo 18, and, and what are your thoughts on that? And I'll get your feedback on that as well, Victor, because I think you've seen it. I have not. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen Apollo 18. It's a pretty bad film, um, but uh, it's very interesting, in, you know, in, in terms of my own research. Um, not least of all because of its viral marketing campaign, um, which fooled a lot of people, uh, which is quite worrying. Um, uh, you know, in, in recent years, you've seen a trend um, emerge in Hollywood um, where you have filmmakers seeking actively to dissolve the boundary between UFO fact and fantasy. Um, through the utilization of these kind of you know, verite filmmaking techniques and, and also willfully deceptive uh, viral marketing campaigns. And, you know, uh, so you've got the fourth kind, for example, which is a very, um, a very uh, good example of this, um, but, uh, which, which use you know, real news reports and, and they fake, Universal Studios created fake news clippings which were reported to be real. Uh, ultimately, it was sued for it. So they wanted to blur fact and fantasy. Um, to make people curious and not to know where the you know the line the line lies between fact and uh, between fact and fantasy. Um, same as the case with Apollo 18, of course, has roots in reality. Um, but what happened was you had um, in the months preceding the film's release, you had a website a pop up called lunatruth.com, and uh, this was a vir- this is actually a viral marketing website for the Apollo 18 movie, but people thought that it was a real website. Um, 
that you know contained lots of classified material and it does look like that it's a very authentic website um, there's a whole bunch of documentation on, on that site on lunatruth.com uh, uh, documents on there that are fake and created specifically to virally promote the film um, the, but you know as I say sites like this are becoming massively popular with Hollywood filmmakers nowadays but at the same time on that same website you've also got real documents um, the ones with the real documents taken from government archives and they're put side by side with fake things and it's impossible to tell the difference so you are literally having the direct learning of fact and fantasy um, to create uh, a new narrative really so if if that's the case, then let's just suppose that this, uh, and I've watched the movie, and it's really a very, very disturbing movie, if anyone wants to, to watch it. But the, the actual website, Lunar Truth, is even even more disturbing. So l- let's assume that this thing was done, and it was sponsored with X number of dollars to do whatever it did, both with the movie and the website. Um what motivation would anyone have, whoever, uh, uh, and I've looked at who, who, who produced the movie, but let's assume that you know uh, who, those people are, are, are unnamed. What motivation would there be behind a them developing a movie of that uh, prescriptive nature? And it's a very, very powerful movie uh, on one count. And then to develop a website on top of that with very, very sophisticated-looking documents. Who, in whose interest would it be to develop both of those memes, both the movie and the website, to conjure up a certain perception about what the extraterrestrial issue might be all about? In whose interest would that be? Well, to be honest, um, I, I I really don't see anything suspicious behind Apollo 18. I don't see this as a as a, as a, as a you really don't thing. you really don't seriously. Yeah. Really don't. So, so, um, I, but, but, I can only go. I, I can only go. It's, you know, it's tempting to be able to look at every single Hollywood film about the UFO issue and see see evidence, you know, see see the fingerprints of the CIA or something, because you know it touches on this subject or that subject in this way or that way. And if you took that approach, then everything would be a conspiracy. And I, I can only go on evidence that's, that you know I have to see at least some evidence uh, in the film's production history. To suggest that there is some kind of collaboration or, or, or you know, um, hidden hand, and I honestly don't see that with Apollo 18. I see a small independent film. It's very clever, very sophisticated in its viral approach, and has a very cool idea that taps into conspiracy culture, um, and uh, which is essentially pop culture now. But um, but, but Robbie, and, uh, pe- Robbie, people don't go out and spend money like that to lose it. I mean, these people spent a lot of money to put that movie together. It's a very, very sophisticated movie. And then on top of that, the website. People don't go out and spend money like that just for the hell of it. There's somebody has to be, you know, behind them to proffer that kind of information with the dollars that, that have been behind it. I'm not suggesting that it is in fact a conspiracy, but who would put up money to, to lose money to begin with? It doesn't make any sense. Well, I believe, and I have to double check this. Um, oh, oh it's, there we go. It's, um, it's uh, Dimension. Uh, Apollo 18 was produced by Dimension Films. Dimension Films actually used to be owned by Disney, but is no longer owned by Disney. So I think it's it was, it was the Weinstein Brothers. Um, uh, and so, it was, sorry, it was I think it was Harvey Weinstein who owned um, um, uh, Dimension Films, but it, it, it's no longer owned by Disney. But it's an independent. But basically, Dimension Films is an independent, right. very successful, very successful production company with a long history of successful productions. So we're not talking about you know a, a tiny, a tiny little amateur production company here. 
this is a film that did have um, it was a, it was a low budget film it was a low budget film um, and they were hoping to basically replicate success of things like the Blair Witch Project where you have a, a film that's produced uh, with uh, you know small means uh, with, with a, a, a cast of unknowns uh, you produce it for a very small amount of money you use a very sophisticated viral marketing campaign as with the Blair Witch Project for example and the fourth kind is another example of this mm-hmm. um, and you hope that it catches on virally and explodes um, and, and just breaks in the cash sometimes it works as it did with the Blair Witch Project and it also was successful with the fourth kind which was, which was a box office success Apollo 18 it didn't work um, it was one of those ones where you know they, they had no reason to believe that it wouldn't work and they hoped that it would that it would uh, be part of that trend. Unfortunately, for whatever reason, it didn't work, and they lost money on that film. But you know that's the way it works. You you, you invest in the in a in, you know in, in the in the marketing in the hope that you get it's going to pay off. Especially if your film has no major actors to sell it. You know this isn't a film where you can say Apollo 18, come and see George Clooney in Apollo 18. Or, Okay, so, let, so then let me take you back then to 1952 with uh, the day the Earth stood still. Do you think the CIA at the time took that same kind of gamble? I don't think it's, the, the CIA wouldn't have funded the day the Earth stood still. There's a distinction to be made. So 20th Century Fox funded the day the Earth stood still. The 20th Century Fox was massive, and still is, but was a massive, massive film studio. They don't need to go to the CIA and say, CIA, please give us some money to make a film. <laughs> what happens is the CIA... They subtly influence the script, for example, or you know uh, they will suggest ideas through the through the through a Hollywood chain, um, and and it will start start to filter in or percolate percolate into the film. Um, but there's no money needs to be put up by the CIA. The government doesn't fund you a phone movie. Of course, yes, I understand that. But they you think, subtly, but you think the message though that would have been in the in the in their experiment to put this in, in place the way 20th Century Fox did do it. Do you think the intent? Was similar to, uh, to. I'm trying to connect the dots here, okay, Robbie? Yeah, no, I think. Yeah. Well, I think. Well, the the day the Earth stood still, 1951, was was really an exceptional case. I don't think we've ever seen anything like quite like it since, to be honest, on that scale. And it was it was, I think, first time you saw the CIA uh, and perhaps other government branches dip their toe in this issue in terms of in terms of the entertainment industry. They wanted to see what they could do. Um, and what effect it might have. Of course, um, yeah. Robbie, we just got about so, two minutes. Let, let, let's just take a couple of minutes here and talk about what's coming up uh, later this year, 2013, maybe next year. Do you have your eye on a on a on a couple of films that you suspect have CIA naval intelligence fingerprints all over it, and and you're you're really sort of keen to find out what that meme is going to be all about? <clears throat> There's one film um, which I'm very interested to see uh, if it eventually comes to the box office. This is something that, that's been rumoured to... I mean, it's, it's been on the slate for, for a couple of years now, but it's been delayed. We've had different directors and writers assigned to it. This is a film called Umbra, U-M-B-R-A, uh, which is a uh, Latin word meaning the darkest part of the shadow. And Umbra is also uh, an intelligence um Code word used in the National Security Agency. Um, it's a former, it's a top secret clearance. It's an above top secret clearance. So you've got top secret umber, for example. And there are UFO documentation, uh, documents, um, which are labeled with top secret umber. Um, so this is, this is a film that's actually about the alleged Dulce facility in New Mexico. Yes. 
Um, and so this is this is going to be very very interesting. Um, it's been rewritten. Um, it's been assigned a new director, two new directors in fact. Um, so it's a film that's clearly having production troubles, um, and it's a film that's going to be any any film that's that's going to try and put on screen. Um, it's going to depict the government as being engaged in horrific biogenetic research in a top secret underground facility dealing with the issue of aliens. Uh, I've read the script, by the way. Um, it, it was leaked online a couple of years ago, and you can read it um, on, again on my website. Um, uh, the script has been rewritten, however, so it would be interesting to see what happens with this, but it is a film that taps very directly into the, the story of Phil Schneider um, and, and his, his testimony regarding the Dulce facility. It's a film that involves collaboration between the, 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 the narrative involves collaboration between the government and hostile extraterrestrials and uh, experimentation on humans. It's going to be very, very dark and sinister. Schneider so, was a, a whistleblower who talked about alien battles at Dulce and was and, and later died under mysterious circumstances or was murdered. Correct. 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 And uh, the same kind of thing plays out in Umber. So that's going to be a very interesting film. That's supposed to be, it was supposed to be released in 2012. Then it was supposed to be released in 2013, and now it's uh, we're expecting it probably in about 2014. Be very interesting to see whether or not that gets any government assistance. Indeed, listen, Robbie, uh, great having you on again. We'll uh, we'll do it again soon. Silverscreensaucers.com and uh, give us a, an update the status of your uh, upcoming book. Oh, it's getting there. <laughs> it's uh, not quick enough, but it's getting there. It's I'm um, every day working on it. Um, uh, it's, it's, I'm hoping to have it finished by the end of this year. I'm going to hold you to that. Okay. Well, <laughs> we'll have you back on. Thank you. Thank you for this, Robbie. Oh, no problem. It's been great. Thanks for having me on the show again. Robbie Graham, silverscreensaucers.com. Victor, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Uh, it's always to spend an hour with you on this and we just get to realize this problem is, um, is bigger than we can ever imagine. Well, when uh, next we meet, we'll probably be over at the uh, the luxurious uh, confines of our new facility uh, just west from here. And um, uh, looking forward to uh, sitting down with you again. Of course, it'll be a pleasure. All right, next week, mark this one down. Gerald Salente, one of the top trends forecasters in the world. We'll talk about, uh, well, everything from uh, the coming economic collapse and uh all wonderful sunny topics like that. Gerald Salente. Uh, Tim Spreen, thanks as always. And uh, in the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing hidden that won't be made known, nothing revealed, nothing concealed that won't be revealed, nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What, what you hear in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night.